welcome to another episode of the Nutmeg Assist podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist, obviously, <laughs> but myself, Ritwik, the host, and I'm joined by Chris, who's my co-host. Welcome, Chris, once again, after a week off. Hi, mate. You okay? Yeah? Yeah, all good. I mean, I, I was pretty gutted that we couldn't record it last, you know, last week or you know, probably in the last week frame because of some technical issues here. It's, I mean, yeah. the weather's been messing around here, so... Yeah, no, right? no. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just all good apart from the fact that, you know, Liverpool got knocked out of the Champions League and we're going to end the season trophyless again. Yeah, still reeling, are we? Still reeling from that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the disappointment wasn't as bad, though, because after the first leg, I was pretty much sure that we got knocked out. So, I mean, as far as the disappointment is concerned, I don't think I was not too worried or we should say too sad about the result after the second leg. Yeah. But like you said, uh, I mean, uh, after the game, if Salah had taken his chance in the second minute, the match could have probably ended differently. Yeah. Well, I was quite, uh, I was quite surprised at the uh, the, the, the despondency uh, following the first leg, given given the fact that all you, all Liverpool had to do was win two 0 mm, and you're yeah. always going to get chances if Salah scores that chance in the second minute. Which is sure Barry, to be honest. I mean, Liverpool had enough chances to win that game. Uh, so, probably be, I mean, obviously it doesn't really matter to me, but if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd probably be slightly disappointed that you haven't gone through, given the chances that you had in that game yeah, uh, and yeah. the way it turned out. Mm, yeah. And this actually leads us to the first question, though, which is, again, a great question from Data. Actually, he sent us this question, he sent us a couple of questions last week. But that's still relevant now, so that we'll, we'll cover that right now as well. So, yeah. his question, I mean, first question being about the, Mad- the Madrid midfield, the midfield three, which has been quite supreme for years. I mean, has have they actually proved that you still can't write them off? Because the first leg performance was absolutely massive from them. In the second leg, yeah, they got kind of, you know, run over by Wijnaldum, James Milner and Fabinho. Yes, Patik did play a part because of that crunch El Clasico in the weekend. Tony Cruz was kind of carrying a small niggle as as reported. So you you probably could expect them to you know uh, be fatigued, but the first leg performance was kind of supreme, and I think this season probably has showed that Madrid have been relying too much on Karim Benzema and that midfield three of Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric. So do you think it's yeah. not? I mean, it still isn't time to write them off. No, you can't. You can't write them off, especially if you're going to allow them to dictate the the flow of the game and dictate a tempo of a game. I mean, Tony Cruz and Luka Modric have been two of the best midfielders in world football for at least ten years now, uh, and the balance that Casemiro gives them uh, is just it's just brilliant. He's, he's very underrated at that role. Uh, equally as good as what Claude McAuley was, uh, he sort of masterminded that role uh, previously for Real Madrid. So, no, can't can't write them off at all. Uh, if you're going to allow them to have the ball, be interested now if <clears throat> they were to come up against a team or if they were to come up against a Liverpool team that not necessarily got in amongst them, but played with a, a lot of a, a higher tempo and a lot of a higher intensity. Maybe if they came up against a Liverpool team that 
So he faced Barcelona in the 2019 Champions League semi-final. That type of Liverpool team, whether they could handle that pressure, because I don't think it's something that they they would be familiar with, especially on a weekly basis within La Liga. Uh, most teams don't tend to play with that kind of high-tempo game. So, yeah, you can't write them off in terms of quality, but I don't think I don't think we're at a stage yet where the sort of they're unbeatable either that midfield they're not indestructible if you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah but I think there's a good chance of those three getting Boroka because Luka Modric is I guess 35 or 34 if I'm not wrong Tony Cruz still has a few years I think few prime years ahead of him and uh, even Casemiro as well who's, who's, who's not really old either so Luka, I mean, I've been hearing that Luka Modric has agreed for a one-year extension with a you know wage cut, which would keep him at Real Madrid for an extra season. But yeah, you definitely would feel that Real Madrid might probably have names listed to replace Modric, and next season you might see him play even more lesser minutes because of his age and you know because of you know what what comes with this. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. I mean we've been saying. I think we you've even spoke about it couple of times and anyone outside La Liga has always looked at Real Madrid now for the last five years maybe I said that Zidane or whoever was in charge at the club at the time needs to they need to replace Modric and Cruz and get younger versions in but I don't think it's as easy as that I mean how do you replace them because whoever comes in the chances are they're not going to be as good <laughs> so why replace them uh, I think sometimes age can uh, dictate can they dictate an opinion on a footballer that not is not necessarily correct? People automatically that when you get assume that when you get older you're you get worse. But again, I think sometimes people have got to take into perspective the type of league that they're playing, and they're not playing in the Premier League, uh, and they haven't done a not they're not. I know Luka Modric uh, spent two years at Tottenham, but I mean that was at the foot at, at right at the uh, the, back, the the front of his career as opposed to now. So. Yeah, I mean, it is expected that sooner or later these players are going to just go or get replaced. But it's a hard job replacing them, especially at this current moment. Who do you get in? Who do you get in to replace Luka Modric, who can maintain that level? Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point as well. Uh, but you know, but some, some time or the other, you, you might definitely have to, you know, move. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. That, that substitution has to be there. Of course, you have that, and that's one of the Zidane's uh, and Real Madrid's sort of probably issues going forward. What what is that next plan to refresh yeah. this team? Because he seems to be, I don't want to say over reliant, because when you have players players of that quality, every manager in the world would rely on those players. And it's Zidane's had a few sticks thrown on him over the years to say that. Well, he keeps playing these players. He keeps he keeps playing Cruz. He keeps playing Modric. But on the other hand, how can you not play them? They are they are so good, and they've shown that still in this Champions League tie. <clears throat> so again, it's not as easy as just all oh, right, right. We need to replace them because they're getting older. If they're maintaining this form, then age doesn't really come into the equation. Uh, I know that I know I know eventually the club will have to have a succession plan in place to start integrating new players into the team. But at this specific moment in time. You just look around Europe and certainly look around uh, Real Madrid's academy and, and you just 
you don't see anyone coming through or who can they can afford to buy or to come in and, and maintain a level. It, re, it really, uh, it's a bit of a conundrum that they're going to get themselves into. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's going to be a big challenge as well, replacing them and finding them. Yeah. They've been linked with, you know, Eduardo Camavinga a lot this season, even last season as well. He could probably be an option, very young option. Martin Odegaard, I mean, if, if, if I'm to believe the rumours, I think the Zidane is probably going to see, uh, probably going to play Martin Odegaard even more next season. So the chances of him leaving as well is quite slim. And I think he, he probably is a really good fit. But yeah, moving on from Real Madrid now to PSG. I mean, we'll touch this for a couple of minutes. PSG, once again, making the semi-final. Bayern Munich getting knocked out. This was probably the tie of, you know, tie of... Uh, the quarterfinal, the best tie of the quarterfinal. Yeah, absolutely. Both the legs. I mean, Neymar had a chance. Neymar had not just one chance. He, he had multiple chances to bury the game beyond Bayern's reach. But eventually, the game finished 1-0. Yeah. Hoping. And there was constant pressure on PSG. I mean, I, I watch PSG a lot, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kind of seeing them being, you know, kind of knock the ball up. Uh, in you know giving up giving away the ball like you know uh, yeah and 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 parking the bus or kind of defending deep so they they kind of had that 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 kind of attitude towards the end of the game they were in a panic mode i would i would say because they, they were kind of all, all all shattered all across the pitch but they gave it their all they kind of sneaked out the result as well which is what is the most important thing yeah you said you said PSG hasn't become a Mauricio Pochettino team with this absolute right? It still completely hasn't transformed into that one yet. But despite not having Marquinhos, but despite not having Marco Verratti, you know, despite having a, a tired Leandro Paredes you know, marshalling that midfield, they still managed to sneak out that victory. And do you think this probably is going to be PSG's year? Oh, they didn't have Marco Verratti as well, which... Uh... It, for me, for me, that was a that was a big miss for them. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be their year. I mean, like you said, I still don't think Mauricio Pochettino has got the got the got his full stamp on that team just yet. But he has got experience of being able to, to and he has got he has got experience a little bit of know how on how to get into a Champions League final at least uh, through Tottenham. So. It's hard to say. It is really hard to say whether whether they can beat Manchester. I think if what I worry about PSG is actually well, what my main worry with them going into this Bayern Munich game was what would happen if at any point they went one nil down or they went behind a bit like in last year's final. The minute Bayern Munich got that first goal in last year's final, the game was over because PSG just sort of lost all kind of tactical discipline to get in the game and he seemed to want it too much as where this time when they went 1-0 down in the second leg they actually persevered so I think that that was a big mental thing for them uh, actually seeing that game out and actually I know, I know they didn't win the game but they actually going through under those circumstances would have done a lot more for them if to say they went on and Won that won that second leg two or three nil, so I actually done it. I it's probably done them better getting beat and actually going through than what it would have if they would have won the tie convincingly, which 
given the the players that they had out, like you mentioned, is it was it was uh, I know a lot of it has been made given Lewandowski's injury and the impact that it had on Bayern. But let some of the players that you just mentioned there that that would have had just a big of impact on PSG. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, missing someone like Marco Verratti and Marquinhos, who was like really good in the first leg. Uh, it's, yeah. It's 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 not easy. It's very hard. But like you said, they were kind of disciplined. I know they were knocking off balls left and right, clearing all attacks as well. They defended resolutely. Um, yeah. I, I I thought Kilo Navas kind of tried his all as well. He tried to keep out. I think he was pro- he was pretty vocal as well at the back. Kilo Navas. Which is like yeah. really, really amazing to see from a, from a goalkeeper. Let's, let's not take nothing away from PSG. I mean, I, we've mentioned there about obviously how defensively resolute they were and they showed a bit of character staying within the game. But they they, they deserve to go through in that second leg. They were the better team. They should have mm-hmm. they should have beat Bayern Munich in that second. Season. But obviously Bayern Munich got their own issues as to how how they play or approach that game, knowing what PSG's strengths are. I mean, why would you just persist with that high line uh, when you're playing those players? It's just a bit tactically naive for me. But just speaking about PSG, I mean, you know, on our on our prediction show the other week, I mean, I predicted that PSG would win the first leg 2-1, didn't I? I I'm actually going to... Um, make a little bit of a bold statement here. If, if Marky, uh, again, will... We'll touch on the Lewandowski injury in a minute and the impact that I had, but Marquinhos scores that second goal to put PSG up in in the first leg to put them two up, and then he goes off the pitch injured just afterwards. I actually think that if he doesn't go off injured, then this tie would have been over in the first leg. I think PSG would have ran away with it that night. I don't even think it would have been an option for Bayern Munich to get back in this time because I actually think PSG. PSG wouldn't have conceded a goal that night if Marquinhos didn't go off injured, I don't think. Yeah, that, that that's actually a pretty fair point. And I think yeah. I've seen a lot of people mention that. Uh, I mean, I kind of hold a similar sentiment as well. I thought he was really good and they might have been more solid at the back if he hadn't gone yeah. injured in the first leg. But, I mean, taking this, this particular topic to the next one, Robert Lewandowski... Such a big miss for Bayern Munich. I know they even miss Serge Gnabry, but Robert Lewandowski to Chupomoting. I mean, that's 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 a huge downgrade. I mean, no disrespect yeah. to Chupomoting at all because I felt he kind of did his maximum. He he kind of yeah. tried his best to do whatever he could. But that's a maximum that Bayern could you know kind of get or get out of Chupomoting because. When you have a player like Lewandowski, you can't probably buy another 50-60 million forward to have, a, have as a backup when you have Lewandowski playing 30-50 games every season. Yeah, yeah. So, how big a miss was Lewandowski? And do you think, this is again a patron question from Dietz, by the way, do you think Bayern Munich might have not, you know, not gone out if Lewandowski was fit for both legs? Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't put into words how big of a miss he is for Bayern Munich and how big of a miss he will be for any club in world football. You're talking about probably the best number nine or has been the best number nine in world football for the last five or six years now. Certainly most consistent, just goals from season to season, every week, 
doesn't matter who who he's up against, what type of defence he's up against, just uh, an out and out goal scorer and what he brings to the game as well in terms of his his pressing ability, in terms of he can do everything. He can really do everything as a striker. He can link up play, he can get in behind. I mean, so you you can't can't underestimate how how big of a loss he was. And like you said, it doesn't again. It's not uh, it's no disrespect to anyone that comes in to as a substitute for when he's injured. But I mean, it's it, it is a massive downgrade. It is a massive downgrade, it, and it would be. But I mean, to answer Dieter's question, would Bayern Munich have gone through? I, again, I don't. I'm not so sure because. I've had this thing about Bayern Munich this year. I mean, people raved on about them given what they won last year and given the manner in which they won it, especially the Champions League and their form after the restart in the Bundesliga. They just they just looked absolutely relentless last year. And we've had a few uh, guests on our podcast this year, Ronan and Derek Ray, and they've said, oh, well, Bayern Munich's the best team in the world. But when you think about it and you look at it, they, they haven't been great all year. They really haven't. So they've got away with it in the Bundesliga. I do believe that Leipzig would win. If they had an out-and-out goal scorer this year, Leipzig, I believe they'd be top of the Bundesliga right now because Bayern Munich are just not... Ju- I don't know. They just seem to... They just haven't hit top form all season. They've got away with it in the Bundesliga uh, for the because obviously Borussia Dortmund's notable drop-off and the issues that they haven't. And again, like I said, Leipzig haven't got an out-and-out striker. Uh, so I think they've got away with it but I think I I didn't expect them to win the Champions League I really didn't and I just think it's a little bit of naivety for them to approach the game tactically in this manner and they're not adapting and if you look at the squad Rithwick I mean they, they haven't got any squad depth whatsoever and I know there's issues at the club at the moment given uh, given the relationship between Hansi Flick and their sporting director and the sort of breakdown in relationship between the two over the over the purchases in the summer. And it, it's highlighting now, if, if you look at the bench, it, it's just not it's not just replacing Lewandowski if he's injured anyone. And for me, they, they haven't done anything to replace Thiago. Uh, they haven't done anything to issue the to address the issues at centre-half. Uh, and the players that come in, that have come in, to me, nowhere near the level that they need to be winning back-to-back Champions League titles. So I, I'm not so sure if Lewandowski was fit that, that that they would have actually won the game still. I still fancy PSG to win this, just given given Munich's tactical approach. And Neymar, mm. Neymar and Mbappe would have still got those chances if Lewandowski was playing. Yeah. I, think that, I think that's the best way to summarise it. So would the game have been that different... It's okay looking at it in the first leg and saying the amount of passes and the amount of crosses into the box. If Lewandowski was there, surely he would have scored. But would they have been able to keep back PSG out at the other end as as much? They, they, they would have still had those issues. So it's a hard, it's a good question from Dieter, but and and it's a bit of a long-winded answer. But it, it's needed. It's not just as, it's not as simple as saying oh, if Lewandowski was fit then Bayern Munich would have won the game. I'm not so sure about it. I really am not. I, I do believe the the issues that the club have got at the moment uh, is they're a tactical approach and at the other end of the pitch. Hmm. I, I I mean, if if I was to answer this, I would probably say, I mean, it was already a, a goal affair. It was already an end-to-end affair. But 
if Lewandowski was fit, I probably think we would have seen more goals in the tie in both legs. Because the, the chances that Bayern had in the second leg as well, I mean, if you have Robert Lewandowski there, he scores. He definitely scores. I mean, you look at the Bundesliga table, you look at the underlying metrics that Bayern have this season, they've massively overperformed their XG this season. Yeah. Which is, which is quite, you know, I mean, massively, massive. I, I mean, I think they are, they are probably the best or the top, or the top most or, or the most overperformers, I would say. They're, they're not underperformed, so they're, they're overperformed, to be honest. So they are the biggest overperformers in terms of XG, in, I think, in the yeah. top five leagues, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so, which have, sort I mean, of matches up with what I was saying then in terms of like they they, they don't see when you watch they don't seem to be as hmm. good in terms of of what they are but they're, they're very ruthless the ruthless yeah, I think that's the best exactly. way to describe them exactly yeah. and and that mostly stems out from Robert Lewandowski finishing yeah of course chances, those, yeah. half chances and chances from outside the box sometimes he get, he just gets a shot out and he scores. So probably, or if if you look at it from a statistical point of view, the, most of the shots that Lewandowski takes are probably low quality chances, but he still manages to sneak them into the back of the net most of the time. So yeah. that's one of the main reasons why they've overperformed their XG and they're scoring so many goals this season. So I think that streak would have still continued in this game if he had played. But like you said, like you said, uh, Neymar Mbappe's pace. The fluidity of their attack, the the quickness of their attack, that still would have been there. They still would have created lots. And who knows? Probably on another day, Neymar probably puts that all, all those three or four chances, all those four in in the back of the yeah. So it's still a hard. It's still going to be a hard affair. But one thing which I can probably you know certainly say is that I definitely would would have seen more goals. We definitely would have seen more goals in the game had Lewandowski been fit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the balance of prob- probability certainly suggests that, wouldn't it? Uh, just given his quality. Yeah, so, but, yeah, it's a, like I said, it's, it's just a bit, I think it's, I think it's just too easy. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of the pundits, especially Owen Hargreaves on BT over here, just, just saying, he just kept bringing the Lewandowski injury up at mm-hmm. any point he could, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of bias, because obviously he's, play for the club and obviously probably probably supports the club but yeah I, th- I think I think there was a little bit more to it than that mm, yeah yeah absolutely and talking about Robert Lewandowski we are going to move to another striker who is who was probably in the red hot streak Erling Broad Haaland we are going to keep bringing this name on and on and on and on and on for years to come in our episodes like we said before yeah but what next for Erling Haaland? I mean, I mean, in the Champions League quarterfinals, I thought he was quite underwhelming. And I think that yeah. probably, you know, also comes from the fact that he didn't have Jaden Sancho as well beside him. And Dortmund probably overall looked probably little bit downbeat. I know they had chances to bury the game. They had chances to probably go through as well. They had that one lead uh, in the second leg that would have probably made them progress to, to the semi-final. That would have been huge, but they, they have their own defensive failures. But Edling Haaland, Wiener Ayola is flirting with different clubs. Barcelona, Real Madrid, I don't know if he's flirting with Bayern Munich, Manchester City, 
so he he has this tour where he goes and talks to different clubs he proposes stuff i think he recently admitted that he has no problem with dortmund's director michael zock but or waska but he he still expects no or he he still wants the best for his client halen so he probably yeah. might be thinking of a move but chris my question to you being i mean the way the pandemic has still carried on and the club's finances i mean if you look at a lot of clubs top clubs and still the club's finances or financial stability isn't isn't proper you look at real madrid barcelona uh, you look at you know liverpool manchester united chelsea or whoever or even manchester city you know you heard pep guardiola say that recently as well so financially or fin- uh, if you look at the financial stability of different top clubs it's nowhere near stable in an ideal yeah. world and yeah. erling haaland the, the money that that is involved or going to be involved in the erling haaland deal as reported by the athletic is massive it's it's huge do you really think someone could afford this money or or what's next basically that that Austin yeah. Put it, what's next for Erling Haaland? Yeah, it's such a an intriguing transfer, isn't it? I and I think as well, I think the whole transfer market this summer is going to depend on this transfer because I think it will have a, a complete knock-on effect right through. Once that decision made is made, uh, I don't. I can see them because I. There's obviously going to be a couple of clubs interested, but like you've rightly pointed out, are they really interested and can they really afford them? It's all right being interested in them. Everyone's interested in them. Everyone wants them, but it's actually being able to afford them this summer. And that's assuming he goes this summer because clubs are surely going to look at it and think, well, why am I going to pay the money that Dortmund are going to want this summer when his release clause gets activated next summer for possibly two thirds two thirds of the cost uh, so I mean I think Dortmund are, are quoting 120 to 130 million euros I think that's the figure I've seen or I'm not sure it might be pounds for this summer but he can be bought next summer allegedly if that release clause does get activated and come into fruition in 2022 for 75 million so surely clubs are going to look at that and think well can we just wait for that one extra year So, and again, in terms of what's next, the actual club, it's so hard to predict where he's going to go. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently because obviously he's the talk of the world football at the moment, isn't he, this transfer? I don't think I don't think there's a day gone by for the last month where this transfer hasn't been brought up. Certainly now that Dortmund season seems to be going worse and worse and it is looking unlikely that they will be in the Champions League next year. It's becoming more more prominent the discussion surrounding them. But what agent players and agents are clever these days because not only do they look at the club that the that the, they want to go to next, but they look they start planning escape routes as to the club they will go to further down the line. So, for example, when he went, people were quite shocked that when Harlow went from Salzburg to Dortmund. Well, if he would have went from Salzburg to Manchester United at that point, then straight away, you look, Mina Raiola and Erling Haaland's dad would have thought, well, hold on, his next move then becomes even harder because of the financial power that the Premier League clubs have. It's hard for Real Madrid now and Barcelona to go and buy the, the top stars in the Premier League because, like you rightly pointed out, because of the pandemic issue, but not only 
let's say, for example, the pandemic didn't happen, it would still be hard for Real Madrid and Barcelona to go and buy now uh, from a Premiership club because they can't outbid them. They can't they can't hold them over a barrel financially anymore. So when people are saying, "All oh, right, he's going to go there," let's say, for example, they decide. Manchester City are the only club in for them and Manchester City are the only likely club to be able to afford them because that, that is potentially correct anyway. They're going to look at it and think, well, if he goes to Manchester City now, you're talking that he's going to be at the club for the next eight to ten years because it's unlikely that Real Madrid are ever going to be able to come in and outbid and, and, and prize them away from Manchester City because of the finance involved as we're I've read somewhere once in an interview that with his dad that he likes the idea of Haaland going round and playing in two or three of the top leagues. So he likes the idea of him going to Spain and playing in England throughout his career. Well, if he goes to England first, it's unlikely that he'll be able to go to Spain. As where if he goes to Spain first, it's not unlikely that he'll be able to go to England further down the line. So I think a lot of people, like you said, are, are playing a lot of attention to be, being able to say, oh, well, it's only Manchester City that can afford him. It's whether the, his agent team, the team that he's got set up, and he seems like a quite quite a clever lad himself. Footballers these days are looking at the bigger picture. They're not just looking at the next move. They actually start planning two or three moves. They're planning their own careers now. And I think this is a fact that not people, many people are taking into consideration as well. So, Another thing you've got to look at is if he goes to Manchester City, that automatically rules out him ever going to play for Liverpool or Manchester United or Chelsea because the chances are Manchester City won't sell him to a direct club further down the line. So I I think he's going to go to Spain. I think he'll end up in Spain. I've got a funny feeling he's going to end up at Real Madrid, but I've got a funny feeling it won't be this summer. Mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, I, I see it in this way because I mean, you look at this season, you look at the financial uh, aspect as well. I mean, particularly just this season, and you look at the team scores as well. You look at teams from Spain. You just yeah. have Barcelona and Real Madrid. Real yeah. Madrid have Karim Benzema, and I still think he has probably one or two more years to offer. So, would he come in and would they play? Two, two up front with Benzema and Haaland or would they actually put Benzema on the bench? I think Benzema is probably again uh, extended a contract by a year if I'm not wrong. Yeah. I, so, I don't think that's going to happen this year, Real Madrid. They probably yeah. need to be more focused on Kylian Mbappe because they need cover on wide areas most, most importantly. Yeah. So, there's a good chance Real Madrid look at Kylian Mbappe more than they look at Erling Haaland. Alright, so ruling Real Madrid out there do Barcelona need Haaland? Yes, they would. They would actually love a striker of uh, of that kind, striker like Erling Haaland. But do they have the money? I don't yeah. think so. If 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 they plan to keep Messi, which is what Joan Laporta kind of wants right now, can yeah. they buy him? I don't think so. I don't think so. So that kind of rules Spain out of the picture for me. You go to England. You look at Manchester United. Yes, they they probably would need a striker, but considering how Mino Raiola has had troubles with Manchester United yeah. in the past, uh, with Paul Pogba especially. I know Pogba kind of recently, recently or two days back, he had an interview where 
he kind of indicated that he he wants to stay indirectly although you know through showering confidence on Ole's man man management and you know yes a couple of stick to Jose Mourinho but Mino Raiola's relationship with Manchester United as a club as in great it's it's pretty you know bad so i don't know if he goes there plus haland seem to be you know a leeds and a leeds united and the manchester city fan kind of and yes. even manchester city they don't have a striker right now aguero is leaving of course gabriel jesus isn't probably that striker that manchester city would have in mind to you know start every single game like aguero did a few years back so you look at the premier league chelsea don't need because they have team owner i don't know what they're going to do with tammy abraham but it's not necessary yeah. for them they have other areas to fix first of all but the only club that i can see who wants hal and more is manchester city at the moment and the, yeah. the question here should be do they have the funds or do or does guardiola think that he probably you know convinces haland and minoraiola to come to manchester next season and probably you know strike a personal terms a personal deal with them and probably go for it next season but another important issue there is mino raiola and pep guardiola again two people whose whose relationship isn't really good either because of yeah. lata lata ibrahimovic is still back in barcelona so yeah it, it's it's a very tricky and funny situation um and, and the only probability that i see is bayern munich but again you have robert lewandowski i think who still has one or two more years with him so this is very very tricky and like you said i probably have to agree with you on here i don't think khalan moves this year if he moves this year i would actually be really surprised because of the money involved and because of the situation that different teams face probably the yeah. only, only club that i see him going is manchester city if i if if he moves to any other club i would be really surprised but personally speaking from halan's personal i mean from personal perspective or thinking in halan's point of view does he you know does he remain at tottenham for a year without champions league football well that's that's another question isn't it i i get the impression that obviously the saying all the right things and not being disrespectful to dortmund and the sort of allowing dortmund to think that it's in their hands and them and, and dortmund are coming out and saying oh well, we don't need to sell they do if they don't qualify for the champions league this year they will need to sell one player so maybe i don't know if they've already got a deal tied up for sancho in terms of or potential suitors for him but you you you've took the you you've brought up a very good point in Bayern Munich because for me that needs to be looked at because they're not getting mentioned enough for me in this transfer and i think if we, if this goal if he stays at dortmund this year and i know the question is the champions league football but i think i think they will know harland and his team will know who who they're going to whether it's this summer or next summer i think if he doesn't move this year okay he will already know who he's going to next year i think that decision whether it goes through this summer i think the decision yeah. will be made by the team uh, by himself yeah. and his dad and his agent this summer uh, so if they've got that in place then and and they've and they've been sold the package by the whoever the club is then yeah I do see him staying with I think he can go without Champions League football for one year uh, but like you said yeah. going on to the other point I was about to raise and you brought up a very good point Bayern Munich are not getting 
I get the feeling that they're just hovering in the background quietly. And I think if he does stay this year, then that it's, it suits them. It suits them for, for Haaland to come to Bayern Munich next summer as Lewandowski's replacement. Because like I said, Robert Lewandowski's what now? How is he 31 now? Mm, yeah, 31 or 32. Yeah. yeah, 32. So again, I mean, we touched on it before, didn't we? The over-reliance on him at the moment from that club is what it is. But eventually, and we touched on it again with uh, with Cruz, the same issue with Cruz and Modric at Real Madrid, there will have to be a succession plan in place for who they get in when, when, when he does sort of start to maybe go beyond his prime years, Robert Lewandowski. So what will Bayern Munich do then? Is he going to be replaceable? But there's not many players that can replace Lewandowski, but I tell you one player who could, and that's Haaland. So I think yeah. once that, yeah, I think if it is decided that he will stay for another year, and then it's then going to be down to whoever wants to pay the money. And I think a lot of teams will will stump up that money. I think a lot of players, a lot of teams will activate that release clause if it is. I know Dortmund is sort of suggesting that there isn't one. I don't know if I believe that. If I'm honest, I think this release clause has got has got mentioned that many times that it has to have come from somewhere. It has to yeah. be. It has to be correct. Uh, yeah. it, that could play into Bayern Munich's hands. But I, I think that the another issue as well. Again, it's such a great transfer this for, for, the, for the neutrals for such for people like me and you. We could sit here and talk about this all day because obviously yeah. it's not our clubs I would hate to be a Borussia Dortmund fan at the minute or even a Manchester <laughs> City fan or desperate to get them it's for a neutral but, uh, for an Everton fan knowing that I've got absolutely no chance of them ever signing for my football club it's great to speculate who he's going to because there's absolutely no bias towards it I remember what I remember reading he's quite a unique figure Harland in terms of the size of him when you if you weren't a football fan and you looked at the size of him, you would automatically assume that, oh, he's just a big target man. Mm. But That's his size, yeah, 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 yeah. But his size doesn't match necessarily match his attribute set. He's really, really athletic and he's really mobile. He can go in behind, and the speed of him for that size is so u- unique. It, it, it's he's quite a he's quite the physical specimen, really. But I remember reading somewhere when he first came through at Salzburg, because of that unique size, the, I don't know if it was coaches at Salzburg or it might have even been just after he signed for Borussia Dortmund that they reckon later on in his career he could be he could have muscle injuries or he, muscle injuries could become more common given his mobility matched up to his size and that they reckon when he gets into his late 20s, he will have to be managed that uh, accordingly. And this is another thing that his team will be looking at in terms of his next transfer. And he might even think, well, he's too young to go to the Premier League given the intensity of the Premier League. If he goes now, those injuries might come in too early. And that's another reason why I'm I'm swaying towards that he will move to Spain because I think... The intensity of the league will will suit him better, and also it gives him that exit uh, escape routes further down the line. So, but if, yeah, again, and another point that we raised before, 
I don't I think the whole transfer market this summer revolves around this transfer because it'll be interesting to see obviously then if he doesn't go there if he doesn't leave then for me the Harry Kane transfer becomes more inevitable because the because the other teams will then say well we need a striker or do they wait yeah. for, or do or do, do you know what I mean so the, the Man City like I said if we're going if we're going with your opinion that Man City need a striker this year because they're not playing with one at the moment whether they, they, they're doing that deliberately we don't know or whether Pep actually wants to play without a striker again we don't know it wouldn't be a surprise but do they then say well if we can't get Haaland this summer we desperately need one we'll go and get Kane yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean so that affects that transfer then that automatically rules them out so the whole transfer market this year could be just could have a massive domino effect from the minute he either leaves or he doesn't leave absolutely and talking about Harry Kane I know we kind of plan to discuss him today but I'll probably keep this topic for next week where we record an extra episode because yeah I have probably I mean we have a certain fixture to cover next week and I think this topic would come in very handy then so we'll probably keep this one for next week and Spurs when we come yeah, to Spurs actually so one more, like one, more said, co- one more question be- before we go for you Right. If you if you if you've got te- if you've got ten pound now and you're placing a bet, right? <laughs> no, actually, let's be let's be big. Like, you've got a hundred pound now. And you're placing a bet, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, who are you who are you putting your money on for Haaland to who and when for Haaland to go? I mean, first of all, I'll make this clear. I mean, judging how I picked, I mean, I, I took lotteries in the past before my luck's really bad. So I, I don't expect this to be on the mark again. But <laughs> but, but if, if I'm calculating this all pretty well and you know putting my gut instinct as well into action, oof, this is so hard. I mean, with the points that you mentioned as well, especially with that injury one, which I wasn't aware of, I think it probably makes more sense for him to move to Spain. But I have a feeling, if it's next season, I kind of have a feeling that he might end up at Barcelona. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't... Yeah. The the only reason I'm saying that is because of how John Laporta has dealt with this whole Haaland saga this summer. And I know the fans are brushing off Barca and saying that you you are you 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 are full of debt and you're talking about signing Haaland. But I think one year holding on to Messi for another year and you know, slowly starting to do the rebuild and probably letting go of Messi next year and bringing in someone like Haaland probably makes a lot of sense from yeah. a financial point of perspective as well as a footballing view as well. A stability period, another one year probably under a new president. The good stability period, they could still continue with Ronald Koeman under the helm. So I kind of think that probably might be, you know, tipped when John Laporta and Mino Raiola met. I, I probably think that probably might have been one of the things that was mentioned to Raiola by Laporta. So yeah, I think so Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think, I think when I close my eyes, <clears throat> I see him in a Real Madrid shirt. I don't see him. In a, I, I think he's a Real Madrid player. I don't think he's a Barcelona player, but it certainly will be interesting. I mean, you, you mentioned as well, another just at the top, of, just before we go, and you mentioned there, you were quite, he was quite disappointing, wasn't he? In the uh, Or he didn't have the impact that I think many people would have looked at 
against Manchester City. It'd be interesting to obviously you're the you're the the data man out of the two of us. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of statistics he had in those games. Did you did you manage to get any any? Uh, I mean, I can't think off the top of my head whether he had a chance in those games. Did he have any clear chances on goal? I think I think he had like one or two in the first leg. Isn't yeah. It? Like he kind of he should have scored. I think in the first leg. I think it was in the first leg where he had a really good chance, which he should have scored, but he didn't. But overall, I think what we expect of Haaland or someone like Haaland or Mbappe is quite what we expect of Messi or Ronaldo these days. And we are not yeah. considering the fact that these two are very young. So. I think with that kind of expectations, he was underwhelming. But if you look at the fact that he's still very young, he's what, 20 or 19? So when, when you look at it from that perspective and he's, when you look at it from perspective that he's, he's one of the next big thing, I don't think he, he had a really bad game or anything of that sort. He just wasn't... It wasn't a one-man show or it wasn't a carry job or, he, or we did not see kind of a carry job from Dortmund. And probably, and I think one more reason probably why people kind of had a, you know, go at him, and not everyone, I think a very few, uh, why they had a go at him was because I think he wasn't a standout player either, which we've you know, come to see uh, a lot of times this season. It was Jude Bellingham over two legs. So yeah. I think that probably was another reason why I think people kind of, a few people kind of slated him. But overall, I, I, I don't think he had a very bad time. He, he was quite decent. But yeah, yeah, of course, he could have done better. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the second leg, Wayne set up for him to actually do only, especially once Dortmund got that goal, uh, they sort of defended and he sat in deep. Yeah. Uh, and I know he spent a lot of time sort of on the halfway line trying to uh, press Man City because they, they basically camped in their own half uh, in the second leg once... Uh, before Manchester City scored anyway so I mean it definitely weren't set up for him to do uh, to do well in that second uh, second leg I don't think but yeah I was just interested to, I didn't really watch I didn't watch the first half of the first leg mm-hmm. uh, so I was interested to know whether there was any statistics surrounding that and whether, whether may, maybe potential suitors might have looked at that and thought oh right well maybe Maybe they've changed their opinion on him, but yeah, it will be good to see where he goes. I'm quite, I'm quite intrigued because, I mean, me and you could be completely wrong here. <laughs> we're, we're saying Barcelona and Real Madrid. He could end up at Liverpool <laughs> or Chelsea. Instead of I mean, being, I mean, if, if he ends up at Liverpool, I'm gonna have John Henry, uh, you know, posters on my wall. Yeah, I'll see me ass big style if he sees it, <laughs> if he goes to Liverpool. I, I won't be happy with that. I'd rather see him play sign with Chelsea. I, I can't be having him play for Liverpool. Like, yeah. But yeah. then again, I, I, I do think, like I said, we touched on it last time, where we, I think when we spoke about him and Mbappe, I, I don't see how he suits Liverpool's style of play. If, if Klopp's looking to get, reshape the squad and go back to what Liverpool were, say, 12 months ago, and I know... I'm not saying they're not there now because I know injuries have had an effect as well and, 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 the, and the schedule has had an effect on uh, Liverpool and most premiership clubs this year but tactically I just don't see how he fits into Liverpool but obviously is the need for him is there because they obviously need as, as good as what Firmino has been in the last couple of years 
at what he does. Obviously, there is a need for Liverpool to get more goals from that area of the pitch now. But yeah. whether, I mean, they have got Jota as well. I just don't see where Haaland fits into Liverpool's setup. But again, I suppose that's a different that's a different discussion for a different day. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He'll probably yeah. touch upon that in the summer. Yeah. So, yep, that brings us to the end of this episode.